and happy Valentine's Day. And it's still not too late to sneak out and get that card that you've forgotten. <laughs> so my name's Jan Tate, and my husband and I, Chris and I, have been in Christchurch since 2014. And it's my privilege today to speak to you about this passage in Mark. I wonder who or what you have most missed during the various lockdowns. For Chris and I, near the top of the list has definitely not been able to see our eldest son, Nick, or his wife and our four grandchildren. The reason being that they live in California, and I think bubbling with them would be stretching the rules. If any of you have been to California, you'll know what an utterly beautiful state it is. And whenever we go, we try and combine our family visit with a few side trips. And one of the places on our to-do list when we can eventually go is to go to the Napa Valley. It's the, one of the biggest wine-growing areas. It's where my favourite wine called bread and butter comes from. Speaking about the Napa Valley, I want to begin by telling you a story that I heard a few months ago about this region. In the 1960s, as more and more vineyards were being developed, a particular company took the decision to try and increase their production by laying down pipes just a few inches below the ground. And they were laying these artificial irrigation pipes to try and increase their production. The region, as you will know, is very dry and suffers from a real lack of rain. Sounds like a very good idea to me. And all was well for a while until a severe drought came, which went on for years and years and years. And there was a major water shortage, which meant that the water to these pipes had to be restricted. And this severely affected all the vineyards and many vines died and some of the vineyards had to close. Apart from one. This belonged to an old man and his vineyard never struggled during the drought. Why? Well, I discovered when I did some research that vines have roots and they can reach down two to five metres on average and much further if needed. When the water supply is short, they can send down roots deep enough to find their own water supply. And this is what had happened to this old man's vines and why they had survived. That story really resonated with me. Don't you agree? that for all of us, this pandemic has been like a season of drought, difficulties and restriction. And more than ever, we need to be those who have grown their own supply and connection into Jesus, the source of our living water. Now, you may wonder, what on earth has this got to do with our passage today? After all, the subtitle says, Jesus raises a dead girl and heals a sick woman. Two amazing miracles demonstrating Jesus' power over illness and even death. But as so often happens when you prepare to preach, the Holy Spirit highlights certain things. So forgive me if this isn't the normal way in which the passage is looked at, but I feel this message is something that God has given me to speak today. 
You see, I think we can learn so much from these two characters. That's Jairus and the woman who was ill. So let's have a very brief look at our two main characters. Firstly, we have Jairus. He was an official who oversaw the business of the synagogue. And this was a very important position. He would have been well known and respected in his community. His only problem was that his daughter was extremely ill and close to death. Secondly, we have a woman and we don't even know her name, but we do know that she was in very bad health and she'd suffered with this flow of blood for 12 years. She would have been a social outcast, trapped and isolated in her home. But you know, I couldn't help but notice that in spite of the stark differences between them, Both of these people came to Jesus, the source, in their time of need. Listen to their own words of faith. Mark 5.22, Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come, put your hands on her, that she will be healed and live. And the woman, verse 26, had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. You see, in this pandemic, I've really begun to ask questions. What have have I been leaning on or looking to during this time of difficulty and drought? Have I been, have we been artificially irrigated by external things? A sense of security in the bank, our job, our friendships, our ability to connect to people, charity work, or even church ministry. But when it's all stripped away and you're sitting at home and there's so many things you can't do, you can't go away, you can't see your family members, you may have financial difficulties, fears over your mental and physical health, fears for your children's schooling, who do you go to? Are your roots, are my roots deep enough to withstand the drought? So using this story of our two characters, And weaving it with ours, I want to ask two questions. What issues did they face? What issues have we faced during this time of drought? And secondly, what can we do to ensure that we have deep roots and can withstand the drought? So firstly, what issues have we faced? Well, certainly, I'm sure you'll agree, a change in our circumstances Prior to this account, I suspect that Jairus was living pretty happily with his prominent place in the community and his happy family life. He was fine until tragedy hit. And even when he thought things were improving, there was Jesus on his way with Jairus to the house to heal his daughter. He was interrupted by a woman who needed his help. Have you ever heard the saying, life is what happens when you're making other plans? 
You have the whole thing mapped out and then life happens and our course is changed. And we soon discover that we can't control life. There are lots of surprises, hindrances and delays along the way. And some will not be because our lack of faith. They will just be the ordinary things that happen. Andrew made this point very powerfully last week, that having faith doesn't give you in any way an unfair advantage to be protected from the everyday ups and downs of life. We'd been looking forward very much to two weddings in our family. They did take place, but sadly, we couldn't be there. We had a death in the family, and our trip to California to meet our new grandson was cancelled. I'm sure you can give numerous examples of your own where your lives have been literally turned upside down. And secondly, doubts may have crept in. We heard last week about the story of the disciples in the boat when a storm blew up. And as for Jesus, well, he was asleep. The disciples were thinking, how could you be sleeping through our struggle? We're close to drowning. Someone who could make a difference is not intervening. And I think there's a similar theme going on here. In verse 35, while Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus and said, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? Can you imagine what that moment must have felt like to a worried father? It must have really tested his faith. And our journey of faith will also be challenged by the unbelieving messengers of real life. Well-meaning words can make us doubt and have the effect of demolishing the little faith that remains. I've heard this so many times. Why bother? I served faithfully. I read my Bible. I prayed. And still this happened. Where is God in all of this? So circumstances have changed, doubts have set in, and thirdly, we felt tired and weary. Do you resonate with that? This woman has spent 12 years in this state and had been exhausted by seeking help unsuccessfully from doctors. And now she'd run out of money. And she sat isolated in a house, staring at the walls. I've heard so many people comment during this last year of how tired they felt. Some have understandably been exhausted trying to juggle homeschooling and a job and many other things. But for others, it's just the monotony of life, the numerous Zoom meetings. And have you, like me, sometimes forgotten what day of the week is it? And when you're struggling with your spiritual life, it's so easy for the enemy to swoop in and steal your tenacity for the things of God. During these periods, our prayer life can start to stall. We can struggle to read the Bible or connect with church online. I think it's interesting that Adrian chose as our verse for the year, Hebrews 12, let us run with perseverance the race set before us. Have you, like me, found it difficult to run? You've been lacking spiritual passion. And fourthly, fears can begin to take us over and dominate. 
This woman, you know, I discovered, because of her condition, was ceremony unclean, according to Jewish law, and she could have been stoned if she'd been discovered. And Jairus may have had fears about his reputation. I don't think the rabbis would have been that impressed to find out that he'd been to Jesus to seek help. So they had fears. And I think there's a great deal of fear around at the moment, and it's only natural. I've never been through a pandemic before. We should be responsible and careful, but we can spend too much time listening to and watching the news to the point that fears can begin to dominate our lives and cripple us if we're not careful. So whether it's or not it's a change in our circumstance, doubt setting in, tiredness or fear, how can we be those who survive when the drought comes? What can we do to ensure that we have deep roots? Well, there's just a few things that I'm going to suggest very briefly. But I found this verse in Jeremiah to be extremely powerful. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He'll be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. What a wonderful verse and so appropriate for our times. I want us to notice that in verse 36, after overhearing the men who have arrived to tell Jairus to give up on Jesus, saying, don't bother coming, the little girl's died, it's too late. Jesus himself speaks out and interrupts them. Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. What did Jesus mean by that? Sounds very simple, doesn't it? Don't be afraid, just believe. I believe he was talking about trust. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. He was asking Jarvis to trust him. You know, for many people, including churchgoers, Faith can come to mean just believing certain things about God. But that isn't true faith. That's just mental assent to a set of propositions. I don't think Jesus was saying that. There's a world of difference between believing facts about God and trusting him with our lives. And the faith that God is looking for is like that of a child, a trust and humility that depends utterly on him, just as Jairus and the nameless woman demonstrated here. And one thing, I'll be honest, I've learned in this crisis is how much I have relied on external things. But a source of water supply which brings life can't be an artificial one laid by other people. It has to be one that you've grown yourself. And as is the case in the story I told, it's interesting that the roots grew best in a time of adversity. So be encouraged by that. So how can we be growing roots into Jesus, the one who will sustain us during this time of drought? I want to be very practical and just give three brief suggestions. Firstly, by worshipping. As we look away from ourselves and focus on Jesus, 
It helps us to know the one who is great and mighty and powerful. David said in Psalm 28, the Lord is my strength and shield. I trust him. There's that word again. I trust him with all my heart. He helps me and my heart is filled with joy. I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. And I can't preach without mentioning my favourite author, C.S. Lewis. In the process of being worshipped, he said, God communicates his presence to man. So whether you're in your kitchen, in your car, running with your headphones, have worship songs on and begin to set your eyes on Jesus and you will find that that presence will really help you as you start to trust him. Secondly, prayer. These are all really simple things that we know, but it's so good to be reminded of them. Because talking to God has never been more important than now. Again, David said, he is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. I wonder if you've been watching lots of nature programs like I have. I'm absolutely entranced by um, Perfect Planet. And I saw this little clip with Arctic geese raising their young on a 400-foot pinnacle. And it was the only way to evade predators. I think that's what David was saying. He's my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. Oh, my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. David certainly poured out his heart, didn't he, as he hid in caves, trying to hide away from Saul and from even his own son. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? I think I've reached a new level of honesty with God as I've wrestled with feeling really empty at times and so frustrated that I can't do the things that I want to. I remember one weekend I just sat in a church, uh, in a, sorry, I sat, I'd love to do that more regularly. I just sat in my chair at home and wept. And I just felt God saying to me, it's okay not to be okay. I just felt him putting his arms around me in that moment. Like a child being cradled. God is so good. Let's be honest with him. And finally, fellowship with each other. And though we are cut off from seeing loved ones physically, it's so important that we find ways to connect with a wonderful Zoom or church services online, prayer meetings, or going for a walk as we can do one-on-one. You see, being encouraged by others is so important. We need to stay connected. Again, that verse in Hebrews 12 talks about being surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And whether or not it's down through history or those we walk alongside now in church, be encouraged. And so to finish, I want to come back to the story I started with about the vines. The ones that didn't do well were the ones that hadn't been exposed to adversity. The ones that did do well had been allowed to grow down deep. They weren't shallow and artificially irrigated. Because if you are relying on the wrong things, when the water stops flowing, you will find it difficult to continue. 
So how about us? Maybe we do need to repent of some of the things that we've allowed to buoy ourselves up rather than Jesus. But this is not a message of condemnation. Jesus made time for both Jairus and the woman. He dealt with them in very different ways and in such tender love and with power too. And he would draw near us today and speak those same words. Don't be afraid. Just believe in me. I can be your source of living water. Put your roots down deep into me. Depend on me because I can be trusted to see you through the storms and droughts of life. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you love us so much and you deal with us as individuals. We pray today that if we've been looking to and leaning on other things and feel empty, thank you that there's no condemnation. You invite us to come to you. If we're weary and we're heavy laden, you will give us rest. Thank you for your presence, Jesus. Thank you that you can be everything to us. We bless your name. And thank you for your amazing love. Amen.